Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is sponsored by Book Riot Insiders. Struggling to keep up with the latest releases? Want to keep an eye on what's coming out in the next few months for work or your own personal pre-ordering needs? If you need help turbocharging your TBR, Book Riot Insiders is here for you. Our new release index, available at the novel level for just $5 a month, is curated by our resident Velasa reader, Liberty Hardy, from the All the Books podcast. She keeps track of the most exciting books pre-publication so that you can browse them, know when your favorite author's next novel hit stores, and find your next favorite read. Go to insiders.bookriot.com to sign up. That's insiders.bookriot.com. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about. Or it usually is, but this week we are following up our moms, dads, and grads, and yourself reading recommendations for the season. This is episode 311. We're recording on Thursday, May 9th, 2019. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, here with Jeff O'Neill, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. We're um, picking up on the other side of recommendus interruptus here. We had a news <laughs> we had a news week before, and I got I'm going to do follow up from news from last week here just because it feels okay. it feels right. Um, Rebecca wasn't on that show, so she can she can ride along, and or if she's got stuff to, to add, it's all going to be so. A one to me. Um, I had um, uh, a uh, flare up of my ebook ranting last week, um, mm. and uh, as always, the commiseration emails were uh, satisfying and numerous as they sometimes are. But there's one particularly particularly relevant was someone went to go check out um, The Greatest Cook in the World based on our talking about it. And lo and behold, uh-huh. the Kindle book was only 40 cents uh, cheaper than the new paperback. No. Which is unacceptable in a million ways. Especially with a book mm-hmm. with recipes in it. The paperback yes. is so much more valuable. As we as we discovered while you were... Um, Texting me screenshot or screen page shots. <laughs> I don't even know how to talk about real world things page. anymore. Uh, page photograph photograph paper book. That's the word we look for for uh, <laughs> visual representations. Um, but that that was a how to make rough, biscuits. That was rough. And several other just people were like in this one and this one and this one. But I mean, we got some feedback. I asked for academic publisher uh, academic yeah publisher feedback because we were the book I was kvetching about was an academic title and I didn't know. I mean, it extends beyond academic publishers, really. And, and the crux of the matter is this, that the, and we know this, it just helps me to remember to be mad at the right thing, which is physical books have a sticker price that you can charge basically whatever you want for as a retailer, right? Like if you're an independent mm-hmm. bookstore, you don't have to charge the sticker price, I think, but you can certainly discount it as Amazon and other people do. You wouldn't discount it below what you paid for it because you pay you pay the publisher of the book as the retailer a certain amount of fixed price. Amazon seems willing to dip below sometimes what they pay the retailer as a loss leader, though I'm not sure how much that's true anymore. But so the paperback price is negotiable, basically, whereas because of, I think, the uh, collusion antitrust stuff, there's a little the, there's a fixed price for um, the the ebooks with the publisher fixes the price. And Amazon can't mm-hmm. mess with that price, is my understanding. So 
the the print the sticker price between a hardcover new release and the Kindle price is significant, ten bucks or so. But in the reality of how people buy for Kindle books, especially you know sixty percent of people in the U.S. buy their books on Amazon, they're seeing this weird collision of various retail strategies, which is retail deeply discounting paper books and book publishers keeping ebook prices high to protect book sales. And so you get this, I don't know, uh, intermediate centaur of a marketing strategy, which is neither uh, man nor horse. Um, and it looks weird and it doesn't work like it's supposed to. And everyone hates centaurs, I guess is what I'm saying. Um <laughs> So I thank you for your feedback. I reminded I was reminded of the basically you have two people with conflicting interests setting prices. And so you know why it looks dumb? Because it is dumb. Because it and dumb meaning it doesn't make sense. It's not smart. It, it's not in it's not internally coherent. So there we go. Um so it also gives me no prospect of future relief from this uh terrible pricing hell in which I find myself. Um <laughs> The other well, this is the thing about a chronic condition, Jeff, is that just sometimes it flares. It just up. does. You got to acknowledge it. it. Says I just have this condition and mm-hmm. I'm okay. Yep, I am lovable and worthy of praise. Uh, the other thing that came up, though, we talked about life rights. How life works with the Tolkien mm. biopic coming out. Like, can you just make a movie about someone? And, and the answer is yes, you can make a movie about someone with a couple of uh, important things involved here. One is. And I don't think I knew this, but it makes intuitive sense, which is unusual for copyright law. You cannot trademark historical facts. So Ah. if it's a historical fact, you can't trademark it, which makes sense. Also, you cannot defame the dead, which also makes intuitive sense. I just hadn't put two and two together here where Tolkien, you can't defame Tolkien because he's dead. Um, You can say bad things about him. You could even lie about him, but you can't really prove damages to Tolkien because He's maximally damaged by being dead. Um, <laughs> show title. Uh, and the estate has, the state can have rights over the copyrightable work and also the use of the image of the person for some amount of time. But if okay. you are doing a rep- you know, an actor playing Tolkien, using historical facts of a dead person, go crazy. You're fine. <laughs> Which feels, that, that feels right, actually. Uh, I guess you, I feel like well, you can defame the dead, but legally defamation is different sort of the moral defamation, right. I guess. Like you could reveal stuff that, um, that impacts, like if there were dirty, dark secrets about Tolkien's life that would impact like people's willingness to buy his books going forward, I guess. But that's not defamation. You the can't, truth, truth is a defense. Right. This is where you have to make right, up something right, terrible. Right, right. Right. Knowingly, you could make, make something. Yeah. Okay, you could make up something terrible about him, and impact the estate, mm-hmm. but not him. There was this, like, just as a side note, I've been reading some interesting pieces about this related to Bob Fosse yeah. because the new um, Fosse Verdon show on FX, I believe, is excellent. First of all, um, but he was a really complicated and not great guy in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but also super talented and, you know, changed Broadway and choreographed some great movies. And there's been some discussion about like representations of him and how do you, mm-hmm. what does this mean for the reputation? Like you're, you know, retroactively changing someone's retro, uh, reputation by revealing new information, but that's uh, right. Not defamation because it's true. Um, but anyway, this is my unsolicited recommendation to watch Fosse Verde. I've wondered about that. Um, I, uh, it also got me thinking about the weird 
legal status of the idea of an estate, that the estate mm. has rights that the person no longer has, namely that the rights of the estate can be infringed upon um, after the person is dead, which there's, I guess I'm conflicted about how that should work, but it, it is a strange that only certain rights yeah. survive you, but there are rights that actually have nothing to do about you. It's like your copyrightable work and the use of your image, which I don't, even that I'm not sure about to some degree because the, the photographer who, if someone takes your picture and they have rights of it, but you have rights of it too, I don't understand how this works. And that one I don't care about. Don't email me about that. I don't really care about that one. I say, maybe we should talk about Yeah, some let's talk books. about some books. <laughs> Before we do that, let's talk about a place that is a celebration of storytelling where books and pop culture collide. I'm talking about BookCon, which is our first sponsor today. It is taking place June 1st and 2nd in New York City. BookCon is the best place to meet so many of your favorite authors, get your book signed, and be the first to get unreleased, an unreleased book or find out about what's up and coming. It's an immersive experience that features interactive, forward-thinking content with Q&As, with hottest celebrities, autographing sessions with authors, special screenings from book and TV adaptations or book-to-film adaptations, and so much more. Go, you know, you can this year, V. Schwab, Lee Bardugo, Charlie Jane Andrews, N.K. Jemison, and many more are going to be there. Go to bookcon.com to sign up. You can also find them on Instagram at bookcon and Twitter, the bookcon. That's bookcon. Thanks to them for sponsoring this week's show. All right. Okay. Back into recommendations. You want to read the first one? Well, me too. It's up to you. I do. I'll, I'll, I'll read it. It's from Jessica, who was looking for a recommendation for her mom. Sorry that this is coming out after Mother's Day, but you know you can always buy your mom books at other times Mm. of the year. Or just because. Nothing makes my mom happier than a random box of books in the mail. Jessica says, when I was young, my mom was a very avid reader. She's the reason I fell in love with books and reading. Life got in the way of things for a while, but she's recently rediscovered her love of reading, and I really want to support her and give back the love of books that she gave me. The problem is she doesn't really know what she likes now, and our tastes are so different. Uh, When Jessica was a kid, her mom was into Sue Grafton, and her recent recommendations that her mom really loved have been Nine Perfect Strangers, Children of Blood and Bone, and The Woman in the Window. Jessica recommended Circe and The Interpreter, but mom thought these were just okay. She tends to get bored easily, so I'm looking for something engaging without being too emotionally demanding. She's open to fiction or nonfiction. Diverse authors and stories would be great, especially with Polynesian or Asian characters. And we are avoiding graphic violence and self-harm. Um, my first pick was is Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. So it does – I don't know where we – the graphic spe, the graphic violence spectrum, there's a, there's a central act of bad stuff happening in the book, but it's not graphic, I wouldn't say. Yeah, it's not really on it's the not page. not on the page, but it does inform, um, it is the, the, the hub around the spoke turn in the particular book, but it is engaging um, by Asian author, of course. It's, it's a domestic book, like it's about, you know, people in the suburbs dealing with a whole bunch of interesting issues. I found it very page turnery for something mm-hmm. that could be called a domestic drama, and I think because it, it, it borrows a little bit of thriller, crime, you know, what happened to this particular person. But it's not really about that. It's about the aftermath and the effects and what into it. It's not it's not who done it or what happened necessarily that drives it. It's it's a, driven emotionally and by character and does so very well. And and apparently it's 
proof is in the pudding, that book continues to sell. And there will be a movie out of it. That's the other thing I was going to say. Or is it going to be a TV show? Anyway, there'll be an adaptation coming out, yeah. which um, sometimes can get people who are sidelines reader, I call them, that they need, to, they need a little reason to get off, off the bench to pick up a book. That might be one that's exciting that you're going to read about something that's coming yeah, out there first. It just came out in paperback. So that's also perfect for gifting. Yeah, I just saw Celeste tweeting, which like it, it did a long yeah. hardcover run because I read it on vacation a year and a half ago. And I wholeheartedly second your emotion that it's very page turnery, but yeah, it just came out in paperback. It, it did That's a like nice a John Green level stint. of a hardcover mm-hmm. run or, or, or yeah, Boy like D. Brizzle. You can't, you can't even, yeah, like can you eight, get origin like in a paperback now? months. Probably, probably. Oh, I, probably, years. but I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to go with one pick that that's my pick right there. Okay. I think you knocked that one well, out of the park. thank you very much for saying so. Um, and then I'm also going to steal one of your I left a little meat on the bone our, for you there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> from, from our agenda, because it's one I would have dropped on here as well. Um, cra- the Crazy Rich Asian series by Kevin Kwan is like the perfect fulfillment of really engaging and not too emotionally demanding. They're so much fun. The characters are like Every character from the main ones down to the side characters are like very fully written and believable. And there's just a lot of drama and like soap opera levels of silliness in the book. But, <laughs> but it's there, it's just so it's very soapy and ridiculous. But like Kevin Kwan knows that it's soapy and ridiculous. And that's part of the story. He's in on it. Um, I loved all three of them. Those are page turnery and they're big books, but your mom will probably read them quickly. Um, everybody that I know who's read them, including myself. Like could not put those down. They're just a ton of fun. Um, I also really loved The Wings versus the World by Jade Chang, which is another family story. Um, It's about a family who had made a ton of money building a cosmetics empire, and then they lose the family fortune in the financial crisis. Dad rounds up the kids, like pulls one of them out of college. He can't afford the school anymore. He packs the whole family up into this, um, into like the one car that hasn't been repossessed yet. And they are road tripping from their family, from their like mansion in Bel Air Mm. across the country to upstate New York, where one of the daughters lives and they're going to like like move in with her and stay there for a while. Um, this does a bunch of things that I love in a book. Like it, it's kind of a band getting back together mm. thing. Cause they're all in the car together, taking this road trip. <laughs> um, family dynamics are complicated no matter what, but when you're dealing with like the family's fortune is gone and the children are adults, they've been living out on their own. And now they're in the car with their parents going across the country and all that, like all of a sudden you're 14 again, when you're with your parents, like all that stuff comes back up and JJ, Chang just does such a nice job of digging into not just the family dynamic, but like what's tied up into all the different like tentacles mm-hmm. of things that happened in the U.S. after the financial crisis. Um, I think it's one of the funnier post-financial crisis novels and a great family story. Um, and then I also really loved The Ensemble by Aja Gable, or Gable, I'm not sure how she pronounces it, um, which is about a bunch of young musicians in a very elite orchestral ensemble over the course of decades um, that they know each other and work together and have complicated relationships and romances with each other and competition. And it, I thought it moved very quickly um, and you move between a bunch of the different characters perspectives. And that was a fun like carousel to be Mm. on reading that. So those are mine. Um, So let's see, I guess the next read is mine and mine alone. I lost my tab (laughs) because I was looking at the ad reads coming up. Okay. 
Hi, Jeff and Rebecca. I have to admit, this is a somewhat selfish recommendation request. You don't want to, to do this. Yes. You don't have to apologize. Um, but I have hit a serious reading slump, and I'm trying to find my way out. I'm looking for shorter books, ideally less than 250 to 300 pages, that really drive you through them, as my attention span can't handle a slow, quiet book right now. Here are some of the books I've actually been able to get through recently. Fact of a Body, The Glass Castle, The Trauma Cleaner, and Hey Nostradamus! Exclamation point. Any fiction or nonfiction <laughs> recommendations you have would be appreciated. Thank you so much. Nice things about us. Um, I picked two short nonfiction. So I agree. Short books are a great way to get out of a reading slump. Um, often a go-to for me. Uh, in fact, I find keeping a... a I like a, a train of shorter books is kind of what my reading life is like these days. I got one serious and one a little more bubbly. Um, the serious one is Men We Reaped by Jesmyn Ward. It's her memoir of a time in her life when men in her life um, were dying. And I'm going to be vague about that. And different things happen in different ways. But it's a memoir about violence, poverty, racism, growing up. It's a wonderful, amazing, powerful book that is not boring and probably word page for page, one of the bigger uh, wallops you're going to get. Mm-hmm. So that's and I'm no, I'm noticing on your list, fact of body glass castle. You're not you're not you're not shying away from some heaviness. So that's why I picked up on that. It's like maybe one thing that gets you through it is some emotional weight, little um you know, and move through with some momentum. The other one I'm going to percolate along with fashion climbing by Bill Cunningham, who was a died recently last couple of years, but a uh, fashion designer and fashion photographer and columnist, fashion reviewer in New York starting in the 50s all the way up and through the 80s. And this is his memoir of getting started trying to make a business the, and a memoir of the fashion world of mid-century America and Europe to some degree because it goes over there. And it's a little slice of life of a time I love to read about. I love to read about New York in the 50s. I just There's something about it that the whole thing I'm into um, and he is vivacious, excited. Um, there's a lot of name checking. You're going to run into people you've heard of before. And his, you know, he's throwing these parties that spill out onto the streets that are showing off his hat collections. Like, how did you even, how would you even start a boutique in the fifties and sixties in New York? I just found it very, very, it was like, it was like drinking a, a champagne cocktail. Um, and mm. it was a really fun, quick, engaging read. Um, so I'd recommend that too. I should say, I was just looking at it. Men We Reaped right now is $5.96 on Kindle. Hey. So go get, get you some of that. And also appropriately priced because the paperback is $11.71 as the universe should be. <laughs> so um, not to... Fortune has smiled that's right. upon so your selections today. So there we go. Um, that's Bill Cunningham's <laughs> Fashion Climbing and Men We Reaped by Jesmyn Ward. I've been in this same spot myself mm. not too long ago of just like needing something to grab me. And I've discovered that one of the things like that's a palate cleanser book for me or that can get me going again is a book where it just feels like somebody is talking right to me, like just a mm-hmm. great light memoir. And the best one of those that I've read recently is I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot. Um, she is a bookseller in Nashville, but she's also a cartoonist and a writer. She's done, she's had a really interesting life and career. And this is a collection of essays that is basically about being a type A person and like figuring her stuff 
out um, and making some big changes in her life, taking the risk of changing her career, moving her family to a new city. And just sort of handling identity stuff that people handle. And it's done with so, she's so funny. She tells these stories about herself with so much humor and just like self deprecating wit. And it's very validating. Like, I think, Jeff, I told mm-hmm. you about some of the pieces offline that reminded me of a person that we both know where, um, Mary Laura Philpott is writing about like she's so competitive and so type A that she turns things mm-hmm. into competitions <laughs> that no one is aware of. Like, can I guess what the first word on the next page of the book will be? <laughs> and just all kinds of things. And um, I think if you are even a little bit like type A about stuff or high strung, you will find a lot to relate to from her. And if you're not, you'll probably just be like deeply amused by the way that she tells the story. But there's good stuff for anybody about like risk taking and sort of remaking your career but i read it in like one big gulp on a flight recently and it was she was a perfect companion um for something a little bit heavier but really excellent that i tore through an american marriage by tyari jones about a black couple in the south who have started off their married life and then one of them is falsely accused of a crime and convicted of it and imprisoned and what happens in their what happens to them as individuals but also to their marriage and their family um after that it's a it's an important and heavy book and really, really wonderfully written. Um, and then a mutual fave of ours this spring, Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid, which is set up as an oral history about a band in the 70s. And so it it's set up to read like it's nonfiction and as if the author has interviewed all the band members and the people who knew them. And it's just so much fun. Um, if you do audiobooks, do it on audio and it will jumpstart your attention for sure. Cool. All right. Yeah. Another spot. We're off to the races. Another sponsor this week is Again But Better by Christine Riccio. If you are familiar with booktube that would be the bookish corner of youtube you have probably seen christine riccio her handle there is poland banana books this is her debut novel it's a story about second chances discovering yourself and being brave enough to try again it's been called a fantastic debut novel entertaining clever and impossible to put down what would you do with a second chance so that is again but better by Christine Riccio. She is a well-followed booktuber. You can find the book wherever books are sold or click the link in our show notes. All right, here we go. First time emailing emoji. Uh, Love the show. (laughs) Nice things, nice things. Um, I'm looking for contemporary fiction that is well-written. I certainly can't write any better, but when it comes to what I read, my standards are high. Clever, witty, pun-filled, anything like that. Um, Let's see, so examples. All the Light We Cannot See, The Sellout, The Gentleman in Moscow, The Overstory. Um, any recommendations you have would greatly be appreciated. Thanks for taking the time to read. All the best, Laura. Well, thank you, Laura, for writing in. I got to do this one first. We haven't I'm got so to, mad. I mean, there's a, probably a gong somewhere uh, next to our gongs for the <laughs> night circus. Um, tiny, tiny, beautiful, beautiful things, things Yeah, for Matterhorn. So it's Ring the Gong. Mm. For Matterhorn by Carl Marlantes, who has another book coming out, Deep River. It's coming out the fall. Yeah, I have the galley of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Deep River. But it's Carl Marlantes' novel about his experience. It's it's a Vietnam War book, but it's about his experience there, too. So it's one of those kinds of fictionalized memoir types of situations. It's big. It's as big as a Matterhorn. (sighs) Um, It's intense. It is 
beautiful and terrible and spare and unsparing. Um, I don't know what else I can say about it. That's my pick. It's not, it's not beautifully written in the way when you sort of use beautifully written to mean excessive, you know, it doesn't draw attention to the language. I think it does the thing that you kind of have to do with war books is strip it down um, mm-hmm. into its essential components and try not to do more than you have to and let the events and consequences and conditions speak for themselves. Um, you know, it's a modern classic of war, writing and a fiction, and we both love it. So there you go, Laura oh, Matterhorn. So Carmel, much. Like I love it so much. Yeah, that's a, it's a great book. Um, I went a little bit more... Mm. recent in my releases Matterhorn I'm like not an old no, book certainly no. but I think these are all out in the last year or so and um, the first this is one I haven't read but that the people in my life who love like big juicy satire have recommended um we cast a shadow by Marlies Maurice Carlos Ruffin came out in January. Um, It is set in the near future in a southern city. This takes on race in a really big way. Um, The story centers a, um, a doctor whose clinic promises to like demelinate people. Mm. You can get lips thinned, skin bleached, have your nose changed and be um, the promise that they make is liberated from the confines of being born in a black body. And so the novel kind of invokes like I've heard it invokes Ellison, um, which we Mm. both love and takes like some Kafka stuff and some futuristic things and imagines like, what if this existed? What would that world be like? Um, I've heard it recommended for readers of the sellout by Paul Beatty, which was also another great novel, like a serious and well-written book. So that might be one to look at. I know Liberty loved this. She recommended it on um, an episode of all the books not too long ago. So that's We Cast a Shadow by Maurice Carlos Ruffin. Um, The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay another big novel um, about the AIDS crisis of the 1980s set in Chicago, which most of the time those novels are set in New York or occasionally you get them set in San Francisco. Um, so Chicago was a setting that I I know has a vibrant and um, large gay community, but I didn't know much of the history about it despite having lived there for a little while. Um, and Mackay goes into looking at the characters are all men who are in that community in the 80s. Some of them have AIDS. The others are watching their friends and loved ones die. And it's uh, so this is dark and difficult and very real. Um, And then there are some present day, like mid 2000s storylines as well that draw some of the characters forward. And she moves back and forth in time and you get to see the long term impact of that health crisis. You get to see the sort of evolution of not just the gay community, but of society society's understanding and acceptance and how we've moved in in those ways and the characters are just really wonderful it was a like definitely a like five alarm snot bomb Mm. of a novel um really great and just a sleeper that i would not have picked up otherwise from a friend's recommendation soon the light will be perfect by dave patterson is a novel that came out recently about a family living in a trailer park in vermont like definitely on the wrong side of the tracks Uh, The main character is 12 years old. His mom has just been diagnosed with cancer. And the book moves in vignettes of his life over the course of, I think it's over the course of like a summer and a fall, Um, moving back and forth between like this difficult family stuff and also the stuff of being a 12-year-old, just trying to figure out life and go through that 
phase of development. Um, I really enjoyed that as well. All right. I'm moving, okay. I'm moving sponsors around. We don't need to do one yet. So okay. go, go for the next one. Okay. So the next one, uh, our next question this week is, let's see, somebody who, what is your name? Nikki. Um, she has a PhD in English, has always thought of herself as a good book recommender, but her mom is a problem. It started back in the 80s when I when I gave her a copy of Beloved. I'm pretty sure she got rid of it unread when she moved, but she loved it when she read it after Oprah Come recommended on, Mom. Toni Morrison. <laughs> you know, though, I, I, I understand. understand the Oprah. But you want credit for that wreck, pre-Oprah or Beloved <laughs> wreck. You want credit for that in the right. ledger. It's true. Um, so Mom reads pretty widely. And um, the writer, Nikki, likes a lot of book club and literary fiction. Um, Mom is a huge fan of Stephen King, has read everything that he's written. She also reads mystery avidly, especially all the iterations of Sherlock Holmes. She loved Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. And um, because she's of Polish descent, Nikki has tried a couple novels by Polish people. And um, she says, despite the differences, Mom swears I gave her the same book twice. Uh, so let's see. For her book club, she read Poisonwood Bible and A Man Called Uva, but hated the life of Pi. She also accused one of the women in her book club of foisting liberal propaganda on the group. <laughs> so that tells us something about yeah. her politics. So this is the, your mom does sound like a problem customer, Nikki. I feel yeah, you. Yeah, it seems like a particular club to 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 try to to pull out of the bag. Um, I'm picking up on the um, Stephen King vibe. With The Devil in Silver by Victor Laval, mm. which the setup is, um, it's set in a psychiatric ward, and there's a new, you know, kind of cocky inmate that's coming in because, for reasons that, you know, become clear, but he's told that at night, a devil roams the halls of the psychiatric Ooh. ward, and he teams up with a few of the other um, patients Inmates. I'm not sure if it's a jail or it's, it's a, I can't remember now, but it's, I think you're there involuntarily. Um, and they try to figure out what's going on and it's literary horror and it's not, it's not going to be, I don't know how attuned your mom's, um, political radar is, but it's more metaphorical and symbolic about, I th if my memory serves about race and incarceration and justice and violence, um, then, you know, if you're reading a nonfiction book about mass incarceration or something like that, but it definitely has a little, if you want to slide in a little commentary, I guess what I'm trying to say, see if you can get it past her, her goalie. Um, that would be a really good. It's also not very long. And also because apparently this is what I'm doing right now. You get it for five ninety nine as a Kindle <laughs> ebook. You're just sitting well, over I there. I had Amazon, Amazon open because I wanted open. to, I was looking at the, the publication dates for some of this stuff. Um, and also IQ and you know how to say this author's last name, Ide. Ide. I've, I've now, I'm now in my head about which way is the right way. Um, Ide. Uh, I love this. It's a retelling, you know, I sometimes fetch also about, that's really another Sherlock Holmes retelling how clever you are. But this one is clever because it's not exactly Sherlock Holmes, but it's a Sherlock Holmes-like character who's someone who's extremely smart, antisocial, um, funny, quirky, but this is also then set um, in, a, in a different neighborhood. You know, it's a different place where you're not going to get. Um, you're getting a, you know, Los Angeles people of color are the stars. They're the, uh, they're the protagonists. They're the antagonists. They're the supporting characters. Um, I'm trying to remember what's the name of the 
darn it, who's the, what's the name of this guy? Isaiah something. I can't remember his last name. Um, but it's, it's really great. And here's the other thing. There's three of them. There's three books. IQ is the first Ooh. one, then Righteous, then Wrecked. And I have not read the third. I've been waiting. I think, I don't know what I've been waiting for, um, but I've been waiting to hold off and do it. Um, I thought this was really good, a good series. Um, Kindle version, nine ninety nine. Paperback version, eight ninety eight. So that does not make me happy at all, um, but a pretty good deal on the paperback. So those are my two picks. All right. So if your mom loved Beloved like and the girl with the dragon tattoo, she can definitely do heavy content. And the Beloved, I latched onto the mm. Beloved part here. Sing Unburied Sing by Jasmine Ward. And you talked about mm. Men We Reaped earlier. So I guess we're just all yeah. over the Jasmine Ward stuff this week, which she deserves. She's an amazing writer. Um, this is a novel that's like... I think sort of the standard pitch for it when it came out a couple years ago was it's like if Beloved and the Odyssey Mm -hmm. had a literary baby. Um, There's a whole lot of Morrison influence there. And it's so it's tough. Um, I don't think it was as tough as some of the very toughest parts of Beloved, but it's not a light read. Really, really a remarkable novel about a family in the South um, that looks at uh, in sort of a, in the way that like you can't tell a story about the African-American experience in the South without addressing slavery and systemic racism. But Ward is doing it through the story. So like this is by nature political, but I don't think it comes across as a political story. Like I don't think that your your mom, I'm going to guess that your mom would not receive this novel as liberal propaganda. Um, I don't think it had that feeling. And there's a ton to discuss there. I think it also was a pretty good book club book that year. So if her book club did not read it, I think it, it's like a straight shot down the center towards like meaty takes on some serious issues is wonderfully written. And um, she'll have plenty to talk about. It won't ring obviously of political propaganda. Um, although it's very political in the nature of the story. And then for something um, maybe a little um, even more like, <laughs> I think a straight home run is saints for all occasions by J Courtney Sullivan, big novel about a big Irish Catholic family in Boston uh, that are all brought back together after one of the members of the family dies unexpectedly moves. The story moves between a bunch of the different uh, family members perspectives and the sort of core thing that the whole story is turning around is that um, one of the matriarchs of the family and her sister were separated when they, or they sort of lost touch, um, became not engaged. What estranged? Words the opposite of became really. <laughs> yeah, yeah disengaged. They became like estranged from each other um, when they were younger. It's been decades, and there's this big secret at the center of their lives that um, they're going to confront, and the rest of the family may or may not find out just a ton happens it's a really uh really wonderful and fun fast moving novel j courtney sullivan does the family dynamic in fiction really well too so i think that'll ring your mom's like poisonwood mm. bible kinds of book club bells also cool love yeah. the show well thank you uh i i'm um, not i this is someone i cut off their name or they didn't want it said i can't remember now <laughs> this person they are an elementary school teacher And they have had the lovely opportunity to host a high school student during the year as an intern. She's been great at helping students and myself with many tasks. And among one of the many application gifts I will give her is a book or two. 
It's a good idea. At the moment, she does seem to be interested in pursuing a career in education when she enrolls in college. It has other aspirations in mind as well. I'd like to give her some titles, either fiction or nonfiction, with great female role models or leading girls and something to continue empowering her. Fantasy, YA romance are great. I would love recommendations on Latinx authors as well as own voices. Uh, it's never too early for Brene. Right? Jeff, are you even allowed to be the first one to mention Brene Brown on a podcast? They who get to the dock first. <laughs> you made the dock. It's not fair. Why do you think I made the dock? <laughs> playing the long game here. I'm playing chess. You know, You're guess, playing as, checkers. Not as, my fault. As, oh, you know, as long as we get the Brene into the world, mm-hmm. I guess that's, that's what right. matters. I mean, and all, all Brene Brown, if it's not clear, we're talking about, which, how about this? I'll throw it to you. Which one, <laughs> which one you want to give an 18 year old? Is there one that's better oh, than others? Want, I think you want to give them daring greatly because so. the ones after that sort of stack on top yeah. of it. And you're like a business person already by the end, right? By dare to lead, right. you're like rumbling with your yep. direct reports and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I love Brene, but I got to make fun of it a little bit. Yeah, you're okay. right. Never too soon for yeah. Renee. Uh, tell, tell them what's about. Maybe you don't know. You're so mad about how you don't get to recommend it. Okay. Recommend it then. <laughs> Fine. Fine. <laughs> Fine. I'll talk about a book I love. Fine. You got so, me. Brene <laughs> Brown is a sociologist who, um, a sociologist and social worker who studies shame, vulnerability, and resilience, basically. And her book, Daring Greatly, is about, um, it, really, it's about how to take risks in your life and do scary things like leave high school and go to college or develop into your career or whatever. Like, we all have to do scary things all the time in life. Um, and how intimately connected shame and vulnerability are. So how to deal with those things inside yourself, but also ultimately how to have friendships and relationships and working relationships and sort of all the things in your life that allow you to show up fully and be brave and the other people around you to show up as who they are and be brave. I think it's great for a person who's at a big transition point in life. Okay. Um, I'll continue with, I haven't read a lot of YA romance, but I have read one in the last couple of years. I was just looking at the date. It was When Dimple Met Rishi uh, by Sadia Menon, which I really love this book. I should probably find more YA romance. And I don't know, this was going around the Book Riot contributor and staff rounds, like, oh, I'll pick it up. And it was fun. So um, Dimple is the the protagonist and she's a overachieving, ambitious a uh, young woman who's just graduated high school. She's been accepted to Stanford. And in the summer in between, her, stan- her uh, parents have allowed her to attend this computer coding conference, um, which she's passionate mm-hmm. and an accomplished computer coder. Um, her parents maybe want a more traditional female role in life for her, so she's bucking against that. She goes here, as you might imagine, she's not, there's not a whole bunch of other young girls, young women there. Um, so she's dealing with that and what she's doing in her life, and she, she meets Rishi. Um, who's a fella, uh, also there as an attendee, same age, and it's a love story. And it's a YA romance, so I'm not spoiling it by saying we get a, was it Happy For Now, HFN? Um, mm. And it was really fun and great. And it's still only in hardcover, so that's a good two-year run. And it, I think it sold pretty well. I would be surprised if a paperback doesn't come out eventually. Um, so that's when, when Dimple met Rishi, and uh, a really great, it's not, you know, it's not inspiring, but it's inspiring in this way is you have um, a high, highly talented and ambition young woman 
getting a story about her ambition and love, and she doesn't have to choose one over the other. So there you go. That's my pick. I love a YA romance. Mm. And I'm going to recommend for you and for our listener, This Is How It Feels by Rebecca Barrow, which contains a YA romance, but is not wholly one. It's a great YA novel about, Mm -hmm. I know, it's partially a romance. There's three storylines and one of them has romance in it, Um, but about three girls, um, high school students that uh, when we meet them have broken up their band, literally a band gets back together. Um, and it's been a few years. The band came apart because one of the girls was struggling with addiction. Another one got pregnant, but now they are graduating from high school. And it turns out there's a big battle of the bands thing happening in their town where you could win a lot of money and they decide to get their band back together. And it's great. It's so much fun. And there's a good, uh, like there's just a great friendship stuff, but there's a good romance on the page as well. Um, for sort of more straightforward, you're a young woman entering into the world and thinking about female role models. You don't have to like me by Alita Nugent is a collection of essays. It says essays on growing up, speaking out and finding feminism. I read it when it came out a couple of years ago and it is the book that I wish had existed when I was like Mm. 18 or 20 and was figuring out what feminism meant. Um, the discussion about feminism and our understanding of it has evolved already since 2015 when this book came out. So I don't I don't know exactly how well all the pieces track. Um, but I was discussing it recently with a colleague and she said she still she also still recommends it widely. Um, but great essays about sort of discovering yourself as a feminist, what it can mean when you're asserting um, asserting yourself as a young woman in the world and that sometimes people don't like that or they find it aggressive or whatever. And she just basically gives you permission to like, well, you don't have to like me, but this is what I am allowed to want in my life and how to pursue your goals. Um, I thought it was great and inspiring. And then to ring the Brene Brown bell, um, <laughs> Tiny Beautiful Things by oh, Cheryl we did Strayed. It. We got the trifecta. We did it. <laughs> did we recommend <laughs> we Gilead the- yet? We haven't yet. I don't think we're going to make it through. Oh, but I think we talked about it two weeks ago when we were talking about novels that like really prominently oh, feature the right. landscape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Tiny Beautiful Things is a collection of essays that Cheryl Strayed wrote in response to questions for life advice that people sent into her Dear Sugar column at a website called The Rumpus years ago. Some of the content is going to be more um, advanced in life than your, than your person is, but the overall message about sort of like how to be a person in the world and how to approach your problems, I think is very grounding. And it's one of those that like, it can't hurt to put all this wisdom in your head when you're 18 and then maybe revisit it as she continues to grow up. Okay, let me do another sponsor. Then we've got one more, and then we are done. This episode is sponsored by Alfred A. Knopf, which is the publisher of Exhalation by Ted Chang. So Ted Chang, I read, I went, this is one of the few times where I went back and read the source material for a movie after I saw the movie. Me too. Because Chang wrote the short story, which was a basis for the movie Arrival, starring Amy Adams, um, about aliens and language, which is, you know, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the story was called Story of Your Life. This is his new collection. He's a science fiction legend. Four Hugo Awards, four Nebulas, four Locus Awards. That's what we call a faux faux faux, as well as the John <laughs> W. Campbell Award for Best New Writer. It's his first new collection since 2002. It includes nine stories, including two all-new tales, as well as rare and classic uncollected works. The, the, line, the names of fans of Chang is all you need to know. Colson Whitehead, Karen Joy Fowler, mm. Lev Grossman, Cory Doctorow, Karen Russell, Blake Crouch, and Carrie Marie Machado, who tweeted that 
Ted Chang is a expletive deleted genius. <laughs> Ted's writing is at the intersection of genre fiction and literary fiction. And, you know, if you like short stories, uh, SFF, of course, and if you like to rival, basically anyone who wants to look at the world in new and poignant and eye-opening ways, I am going to be buying and reading this book. I hope you will try it too. Exhalation by Ted Chang. One mo. Is it my read? One I can't mo. remember. I don't know. I'll right. do it since you just yeah. read the sponsor. Uh, this is from Jessica. She's looking for books about the circus and or family drama. She's read things like The Night Circus, Caraval, and The Life She Was Given. Also love The 13th Tale and Before We Were Yours. So would love it if those categories could overlap. But I don't know. That might be difficult. Um, nice things about us. Looking forward to recommendations. Thank you, Jessica. Um... I went weird. Yeah, you well, did. <laughs> listen, so it's circus and family drama, and this is both of those things like dialed up to 11, spinal tap style. So Geek Love by Catherine Dunn. It's not really a circus. It's more of a freak show, I'd say. It's the, I don't, again, I've never said this word, the name out loud. I've only read the book. Um, the family that runs this, uh, I don't know, human oddities, I guess. This band of human oddities is mm-hmm. Benuskis, I believe is how you would say it. Um, and they go out with like radioisotopes and chemicals to like make human deviations out of people. There's Aqua Boy. I think he's got like, you know, flippers and stuff, kind of a penguin from the Batman character. There's some Siamese twins. There's an albino hunchback. Um, and then on top of that, they're going across, you know, sort of the, the, the third tier, fourth tier entertainment circus, um, entertainment circuit in the U.S. And then the family members and the members of the show start fighting and uh, struggling for power. And um, it's uh, dark and strange and delightful and weird and a one-of-a-kind work. So it's taking the circus and family drama and... Um, giving it some magic mushrooms. That's how I would say uh, what Geek Love is doing. So that's my pick. <laughs> it's so dark, man. I was unprepared. Yeah, I don't want to undersell the darkness. I don't want to undersell the darkness. So maybe for the Night Circus, it's wrong because um, the Night Circus has a little bit of darkness, but ultimately is, you know, for something called the Night Circus is, is pretty light. Um, but anyway, that's this is a cult classic. We don't recommend cult classics very often, I think, and Geek Love is definitely one. Yeah, um, that's right. From Catherine Dunn. So that's my pick. Tread with caution. This was this was harder yep. to answer it was hard. than that's I had to go farther than I yeah than I felt like it should be. Um, so my first answer is only kind of an mm. answer because it's not actually about a circus, but Swamplandia by Karen Russell is about people who work at a theme park in Florida and like Florida is weird and theme parks are weird. Uh, we can just accept mm-hmm. that, right? That Florida is kind of its own land and <laughs> theme parks are weird. And the two of them together are extra weird. And like, it's, it, I think not as dark as geek love, but it also rings some of those, like some of the weird bells happen. Um, the night circus is like the only story set in a circus that I know of. That's actually not dark and weird. Like I think that I think uh, that, that I'm like saying it out loud. Elephants isn't maybe, super dark and weird. That's, that's true. Maybe there are just some inherently dark things about circus well, life. Well, I think we can all agree um, that it's not, um, entirely yeah. always great at the traveling circus. Right. 
Yeah. So I, I mean, Swamplandia, I think is going to be a modern classic. I just love it. And it's worth a read. It's a fun, delightfully weird book. Karen Russell delights in the strange and like hangs a lantern on it really well. Water for Elephants would be, I think, the most straight ahead recommendation by Sarah Gran. Um, Been a long time. I read that one when it first came out. Um, But set in a circus, like a traveling circus, there's some romance, some intrigue some circus stuff. I could not find anything that rang the bell of doing circus and that like 13th mm-hmm. tale kind of mysterious also about books story. Um, that's a, that might be a, an animal that doesn't exist. Do you think yet. circus stories are over represented or underrepresented? Are there more of them than they think there should be considering the relative cultural oh. weight of circi or underrepresented? <laughs> well, I was thinking about the relative frequency of circa. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like I feel like there's quite a, like, between Dumbo and maybe it's because it's coming out, like, there's, in the night story, there's, oh, there's a lot of, but mm-hmm. how often do you, you go to a, a, do you, do you read a story about a circus or watch a story about a circus more often than you actually go to a circus? Yes. Has to be, yes. Yeah, right? yeah. I think the circus is a rich yeah. setting. Like, maybe, we yeah. need, like, more, like, 4-H stories, like the county fair <laughs> stories. Girl Scouts going hiking in the Blue woods. Ribbon Love. I'm here for, <laughs> yeah, you know. Now that I'm thinking about it, Swamplandia is the theme park, and there's a theme park story in What the World Will Look Like When yeah. All the Water Leaves Us by Laura Vandenberg, but those are the only two like There theme should be park more theme park stories, of. relatively speaking. I and think people fewer- go more often go to, to theme parks than Cirque. I think so, too, and I'm glad that we've just settled on Cirque well, that's as Latin. a word. I didn't want to show off my <laughs> education, but... Well, that's yeah, Latin. Well, you well, heard that's Latin. first, uh, That's our show. We're wrapping up. Holiday season is your next chance, so set yourself a, a reminder when you come across a recommendation request in your life. Make yourself a little note sometime in well late. No, well, let's see. We try to do that the the week we try to publish that show the week after Thanksgiving. So after mm-hmm. you know, and get into the fall, make yourself a note. We got to yeah. a bunch of these this early time. November. Some we didn't mm-hmm. get to. Some didn't even make the document. Um, sorry to say, but thank you all so much for writing in. We always enjoy this. I always feel like ah, I'm not going to have any recommendations and blop. They all come um, They come uh, free and easy for you guys. Rebecca, thank you so much as always. Show notes, bookriot.com slash listen. There will be a list of all the books we mentioned, but I'm not going to copy in all the questions. So you can scan them at your uh, leisure forever and ever. Amen. Uh, all right. Till next time, we'll get back to the news. <laughs> have a good one. <laughs>